Hey, After Buzzers. If you didn't know, it's Kevin Undergar, the executive producer of After Buzz, along with my partner, Maria Menunos. Hi, everybody. Maria and I, as you know, have put so much time and money into mm-hmm. the After Buzz TV product and really haven't seen a lot in return. Nope, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the ways you guys can actually help us is by tuning into our new reality show, Chasing Maria Menunos. It premieres Tuesday, March 18th, 10 o'clock, 9 p.m. Central, and features me and Maria basically bickering, fighting. No. No. No, it's not just bickering and fighting. You get an inside look into my life, behind the scenes. You'll also get a behind the scenes look at AfterBuzz. It's really funny. It's not just bickering, and it's not fake either. So that's actually something oh, no, no, no. to it's think about. no, no, no. It's definitely not fake. It's definitely not fake. But please, tune in to Chasing Maria Menounos on Oxygen, Tuesday, March 18th at 10 p.m. All of your support will help AfterBuzz because Maria certainly won't. <laughs> so rude. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Cosmos After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Cosmos After Show. All right, we know that's not a normal song for After Buzz, but what this is, it's Funk the Universe by Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson. This is done by a super fan himself. It was Andy Greenhawk. And of course, we are the After Buzz. We are the super fan station. And with 27 million weekly downloads, we're your one-stop, one-destination of true after-show entertainment. I'm JC, and this is Cosmos, a space-time odyssey, episode one. And... My partner in crime. Good to be back, buddy. I know. It's Scott Moore. Great, great to be here. I mean, so we can geek out with some really good science stuff here. Yeah, honestly, Woo. I am so passionate about this show. Me I, too. We've done hundreds of shows here yeah. at After Buzz, and nothing has hit me like this, honestly. And here to guide us as well is Run the Ones and Twos, Miss Marissa, who did a paper on Cosmos, Hello. right? Yes, I did a paper about four years ago. Okay. On, on the original. The, the, yes, the original Carl Sagan version. Very nice. So we've got old versus new, right. old school versus new yeah. school, kind of a bit of a battle. But but, but granted, <laughs> I'm going to have to dig that essay up to remember a lot of things. <laughs> dig it up, uh, yes. research it, read it, and have it memorized for this time next week. Just okay. Kidding. okay. <laughs> Just kidding. It's somewhere <laughs> in the universe. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Go. We're going to have a full 13 weeks of this, guys. So. Right. Overall, I'm still, but we just finished watching it about five, ten minutes ago, right. and I actually, this is the second time I, I got to see it. Yeah, I, my full disclosure for you, you, you got to see it already before, so you kind of cheated getting this. <laughs> but I, I, I was lucky, and I got to, I, I, I went Tuesday to see the, the sneak peek of it, and they mm-hmm. had a Q&A afterwards. I, I'm still speechless, and it's five days later. <laughs> I'm still digesting everything that was given, right. and, and that's why... I, I am not a science expert, but I am a super fan. I am ext- so passionate about science. I am so passionate about the universe, astrophysics. I, it's opened something for me, this show has, that nothing ever has before. 
you know, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronomer, and somehow I got mm -hmm. lost in the trials and tribulations of Hollywood, but right. I found my home, and it's Cosmos, <laughs> I'm telling you. So, fans at home, help us as well. We'll have the chat roll, in the, in the, you know, hopefully next mm -hmm. week. Definitely give us facts. Send us questions. I'm going to ask you guys, we're going to ask you a lot of questions, so give you some food for thought right. for next week. So, before we go any further, thoughts about tonight, Scott? Uh, well, kind of like what you're saying, I uh, wanted to grow up and be a, be a weatherman, be a meteorologist, and uh, I was horrible math, and somehow, again, I ended up out here in Hollywood. Um, but yeah, I so I'm fascinated by, you know, the way nature works, and just everything about the universe. I mean, just watching this episode, my, my brain hurts. It's just so incredible. Yes. The facts, the, the, the numbers, uh, the, just the sheer Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Scope and size of the universe and how everything had to work just right perfectly to be able to have everything happen the way it did here for us on our planet. I mean, it's just – it really is mind-boggling when you step back and really think about it. Um, I mean, what, what are your first thoughts on it? No, you, you actually Ugh. unearthed something by, by what you just said. I saw a great dichotomy throughout the whole episode, which was comparing large with, mm -hmm. with microscopic and how just throughout the whole episode and the fact that even the subject matter we're talking about is we can't even wrap our head around no. it. We're going to explain it throughout the episode. Mm -hmm. I did some digging on it, but it started quietly. Right. It started small. Mm -hmm. It started with Carl Sagan's intro as always, you know, which I thought was great the way they opened it and kind of paid homage to Carl Sagan. Cause I had actually seen some of the original ones. It came out basically when I was a baby, which also I hate seeing it now thinking about how old I am, but um, just being able to see how much has changed. I love the fact that they, they paid homage to him. They did the same intro that he did. I mean, everything about that was really, really cool. And the fact, even skipping ahead, but the way they closed with all that, too, I thought was really great closing on, on Carl Sagan, too. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, we have to introduce the host of Cosmos, Mr. Mm -hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I'm sorry, Marissa, if I can say this, but he's just a badass. He is. He is <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. He is a badass scientist. And the neat thing about him is he's he's cool. He he literally he is a rock star. He is of the science world. And he you know, they were kind of saying this, too, in some of the, uh, the reviews and everything. And it's true. Like Carl Sagan was the rock star of his time, um, passed away way too young, I think, like 62. But right. Um, but he was more mild manner, a little bit more quirky, a little bit nerdier, and I feel like Neil brings that kind of rock star, a little bit more musculature, a little more, uh, literally, I think he was like a wrestler in high school, yeah. or whatever. Brings a little bit more of that like energy in a different way to the way he delivers this and in, in his hosting, and, and it's a very different style. But I think it suits him really well, and I think it suits this, you know, rebirth of Cosmos as well. I love that, that you style. I love that you said rebirth because a lot of people are saying reboot and all that, yeah. and, and and it's not. It's a continuation. It right. is. Still paying homage, like you said, mm -hmm. and and what I loved about Sagan was that he made it so personal. He did. You're it right. Was, it was intimate, and mm -hmm. that's what made me want to dig in more, mm -hmm. as opposed to even 
okay, his, his first line, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, can we just call him NDGT? I'm just saying. <laughs> just kind of shorten it. He's just right, like, like, you know, Neil Patrick Harris, you yeah, know, just shorten it to MPH, MPH. Same thing, yeah. He's the MPH of astrophysics. Right. <laughs> but the fact is, it's time to get going again. Mm-hmm. And it was with this quiet, like, roar. Mm-hmm. Because he's got this, like, baritone. Like you said, he has this energy. This, this yes. He takes up the room there because he's got a lot, you know. Yeah, it's, of... I've heard a saying. It's kind of like uh, we've, we've known people like this that when they walk in the room, the room is never the same. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when he walks in a room. And I thought the way he said, and of course it was, of course it was written by Sagan's ex uh, widow, mm-hmm. and Andrian, and I don't know if it was Carl Sagan's delivery or Anne's writing, and the same can be said here with with Neil's intro that it was this quiet roar, mm-hmm. yet playing homage, like I said, but it still got that. He's he's kind of like a preacher. He's he's got that. I, I could I could see him. He could have been an evangelist. Yeah, yeah. And in, in a Good way, point. he kind of right, is right. an evangelist to the stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> the puns have already begun. Yes. <laughs> so let's. I mean, of course, we open up where it's he's talking about the next thirteen weeks. How they're going to explain basically the universe for as much as they know at this right. point. Which could change at any minute. I know. Like, what if they discover something crazy tomorrow? What if the aliens actually land tomorrow and we discover something completely new that will change everything? <laughs> you know, and, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with this stuff. Like, uh, we talked about it before. We talked mm-hmm. that he has a show called Star Talk. Mm-hmm. And it's a little more loosey-goosey. And it, it felt to me he was a little more little more subdued, you know, because right. he has to play to a broader audience. Mm-hmm. It, you're exactly right. He's, he's playing to a broader audience. Um, a very broad audience compared to all the platforms that they debuted the show on tonight, uh, you know, including Fox Sports. Yeah, I mean, that's what we saw it on. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane the, the amount that they were really pushing this. Um, so, you know, he did have to broaden it out. But I do think the writing was really well done as well. I did, did want to say that point because there were so many kind of quotable things that he'd said right. throughout the episode that I thought were really well done. Right, so. and, and definitely, which reminds me that you said it's on so many networks. In mm-hmm. The rollout was 400 million homes throughout the world. Yeah, around over, the world, not even just here in the States. All over the world will be able to watch this. That's what I, I, I got tweets from people in France watching mm. it. So, and, of course, oh, I haven't even said hello, or have I, uh, to our chat role, AfterBuzz TV Nation, if you're watching live, hello. But if not, go to iTunes, go to right. YouTube. You know, comment, subscribe, make sure you let us know. Make sure you check out Maria's new series as well, because that, you know, that hopefully will pay the bills. That's right. And that's coming out soon, like March 18th. So it'll be here before you know it. Absolutely. So let us know what you think. You know, give us some answers who you'd like to see. We're going to reach out to a lot of people Mm -hmm. that, you know, we're really going to call in some favors for this one because this is a special special series. It's a series for a generation. I agree. And I think uh, if I was a teacher, I'd feel like this should be required viewing uh, for the classes. Um, And I do feel like this should be a very comment-driven show. I'd love the interaction with with the viewers that are watching Cosmos. Be able to interact with us. Let us know, like like you were saying earlier. You know, ask questions. We can look it up. We want to find out things. We want this to be very interactive because I think it's such an important show. Yeah, and here's the thing. We, we're 10 minutes in, and we haven't even started with the I beginning. Know, with scratching the surface. Yes, with what he was calling Captain Tyson and the Spaceship mm-hmm. of Imagination. Now, let's talk about the special effects. That, that was I, the, Yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to talk about. What were your thoughts? Um, I mean, again, it was incredible to be able to see from where it was from the first you know, generation ago, 34 years ago when it first came out, to see the way they're using the special effects now. And I, I, I was actually kind of glad because... It, they didn't depend on the, the CGI or the special effects, which I was a little worried about. I thought they were going to go in and it was going to be a little heavy-handed with that or they are going to mm-hmm. try to show off. So I feel like overall it was, it was subdued, but it was done in a really nice, polished way to where it wasn't 
overpowering the message and what we were trying to get across here with the show. And of course, and they pulled no punches. I mean, they've been working on this for, I mm-hmm. believe it's like seven years. And yeah. they had people, from, uh, Bill Pope, who was the DP on, mm-hmm. the, on the Matrix. And we had um, Alan Silvestri, who composed Forrest Gump. Yes. Um, oh, the music was incredible, too. Yeah, yeah, just it was overall the pack. It was from top to bottom. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, it was gorgeous. Yes. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but I like the fact that it was gorgeous, but not overpowering. And not depending on the CGI to be able to make the show. Ultimately, it, is yes, the story. it complemented the show and the story and what they were getting across, but it didn't overshadow. So I thought that was important too. All right. So did we learn anything anything new as he traveled from the moon, the sun, and the rest of our solar system? Well, we learned that uh, poor little Pluto gets to be like, you know, the the, it, 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 the black de- sheep of the universe now. <laughs> yes, the declassification yeah. of Pluto. I mean, it was just barely even talked about on the surface with the other frozen rocks and everything at the end after Neptune. I was like, poor little Pluto. But the way it was worded was kind of odd to me because yeah. it's been declassified. It's no right. longer a planet. But, right. But he said it another you know, a world. Well, he said other worlds, but it was a more generic way is what I think he was trying to say. Because after he talked about Neptune, it went off to those other frozen entities way out there. And it was – that's why I said it kind of – I felt bad for Pluto. Yeah. Poor little thing. It was just kind of subjected to those other frozen things out in the middle of nowhere. Awesome. And why not make this our first question? Chat roll, YouTube, guys. What happened to Pluto? What is, what's the deal? Let us know. I mean, is, what did he mean by that? Is it declassified? What does it mean? Let us know. <laughs> what does it mean? Get yes. creative. <laughs> yeah, right? Be creative. Exactly. <laughs> you know, Poor but, little Pluto. Yeah, but it, which we heard about a couple of years ago, and I, I forget the, the reason behind its declassification. It, I, I thought it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, like I said, I am, I am going to grow with you guys. We're going right. to grow. I mean, I thought it was it turned into a moon of Neptune. Neptune, I've heard that. I, I don't remember what the exact reason was. Yeah, because it was something to do with the orbit, right? Wasn't it that it started orbiting around Neptune so it would be like a moon instead of going all the way around to the sun? I don't know, but I would love to know that too. That's why. Let yeah. us know for yeah. sure, guys. So Pluto is now a dwarf planet. Okay, so it is a planet. Thank you, Marissa. See? It's a dwarf yeah so what is it yeah i mean and again those numbers fascinating i mean like the hundreds of billions of planets and it's just how do you even comprehend you can't comprehend those type of numbers in your head right right no just being able to understand the the whole size and scope okay you just teed this one up for me (laughs) thank you scott no because i I did this little thing where i was writing down the difference between the solar system the milky way and the universe just so we because of course he explains it throughout the show he did and i thought that was also really great the way he decided to open it up and say this is how we're going to basically broaden out the address so to speak of where the earth is located and i did think that was a great way of doing it okay so think of it this way guys at home all right Think of the sun as smaller than a grain of sand, Mm -hmm. and it's in the palm of your hand, and your whole palm is the solar system. Okay, just the solar system. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and they say, I believe Pluto was like an inch of the center of your palm. Mm -hmm. Okay, now for the Milky Way, because now he moved on past the Oort cloud, which, which, okay, the Oort cloud, he said, is there any proof that it, it exists? It has never been seen. Yeah, and that that was the other thing too because when you know again not really jumping ahead but I, at some point we'll talk about like Voyager one when we move a little bit further in time in the space and they don't actually call it that when it it, it left basically the heliosphere is what they call it at the mm-hmm. end of our solar system and then it went into interstellar space which is kind of the the rest of that area there's um, last year so they don't even call it the Oort cloud but I've heard some people call it that and he did kind of basically talk about it but that it, what was it? it hasn't actually been discovered but they assume it's there yes. 
as like oh, the edge of the the universe. I thought Marissa was already. I mean, the edge in. of the solar system. Oh well, <laughs> I, I think I you know just read a little bit more about the dwarf planet of Pluto. Um, it actually orbits around a um, an ice icy planet called. Uh, <gasps> um, Shoot, I just lost it. But I, I'm multitasking here. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. it's fantastic um, that you can multitask. It, it, it orbits around an, an icy um, planet, which is in an asteroid belt. So it's not technically in our universe or solar system. Our solar system, yeah. I knew it was something about it not orbiting around our sun anymore or yeah. wasn't doing it on a regular basis, so therefore it wasn't considered a planet. Well, was that what, uh, what Neil was talking about when it was the planet we couldn't see? Yeah. Remember, if you had to use infrared light to see it. Oh, there's a bunch okay. of those planets, well, yeah, too, it, which it, is it, amazing it, that yeah. he mentioned. Yeah, It orbits around be. the icy Rexo, the Cooper belt, and Ceres, which is the asteroid belt. Wow. There you go. It's, it's, it's just these numbers. And I didn't even finish what I was talking right. about, the solar system. Okay, the palm of our hand is the solar system. Right. And remember, the sun is smaller than, than a grain of sand. Okay, now for the Milky Way galaxy, it would be the size of North America relative to to the palm of your hand, to the grain of sand, which is the sun. Mm. That's how small. That's how small yeah. it is. Yeah. It, 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 that just blows me away in the fact that we're not even that big of a galaxy. No, we're not. And, and uh, you know, like he was saying, is like there's chances that, you know, because we don't know the size, like the outer universe, the light from those outer regions of the universe hasn't even reached us yet. So we don't even, you know, again, it's sort of like we don't know how big it really ends up being. You know, that, that was the whole thing. They said mm-hmm. our universe... With all of those solar systems, which what, which is hundreds of billions of solar systems, right? This is we're we talking about when we move on to an, like a Andromeda bubble, or yeah, an, Andromeda, oh, you're talking about the local group, and then right, the Andromeda it was part of the uh, Milky Way, and then that was the local group, right? Right, and then you you branch out even further out. And that was what, just part of the the universe. Was there anything outside of Andromeda? It's the the, the local, local group. group, and then it moves on to the uh, Virgo supercluster. The supercluster. That was it. I knew I was missing a layer. You know, and here's the thing. And not, I, I don't want to cause panic. I don't want to be that guy. But you know, Andromeda is supposed to crash into our right. galaxy into like three billion a billion years, years from so now. Yeah, start the clock. Right. Exactly. And, <laughs> no, yeah. but um, what I was gonna say is okay. So he went from Virgo cluster supercluster. Mm-hmm. To the ends of the universe, that as that, of, that's something that we could even fathom. What's in between the Virgo cluster and the edge of what we know? Oh gosh, and I feel like he it's did, like a pop quiz. No, well, no, 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 no. He didn't say. That's what I'm saying. That's, well, because I know he'd gone on to talk about that that it was part of a tiny bubble, and there could be all these other ones, a part of a multiverse, right? You know, so our universe is one bubble, and then you have all these other ones. Like just again, the sheer size of everything. That's where it just again it just it, it just blows your mind because you're like you cannot in your mind fathom that. Scott, you, you just, just cannot. You just described the cosmic horizon. <laughs> he did. It, it, I, 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 it, I'm still my brain hurts. That's what I'm saying it does hurt because it's just the it puts everything into perspective when you start thinking about things that you're like you know your daily life and you're like holy crap it's just. This tiny little minuscule thing on the whole scale of the size and in time. Yeah. Doesn't we're, mean anything. We're just a bunch of <laughs> humans floating around yeah. a rock that's going about 200,000 miles right. per second <laughs> across the universe. You right. Know, pretty much. Yeah. No big deal. No, nothing. No. no so, and, and then I was going to say, what's beyond that? You know, you know, mm-hmm. multiverses. So that's something that our physics doesn't even understand. Right. So. Exactly. And, it, and in a way, it leads to the segue of. 
kind of like where they move on to the second part of the mm-hmm. show where it was uh, Giordano Bruno mm-hmm. who was seen as a man ahead of his time who ended up seeing he's the, the gentleman that explained that there was more more than one son there was right. countless stars right and he was a friar you know the, in yes, the church please. no I was to say he was a friar in the in the in the catholic church and uh, what did, what do you have like a vision or a dream Yes, first he, he had – well, first he he found the book. The banned books, yes, yeah. that the church had banned, uh, Lucretia's book um, on the nature of things, mm-hmm. which kind of opened up his mind and thinking, oh, there's more. You know, because at that time period in the 1600s and – well, 1500s at that point, right. uh, you know, their thinking was we're the center of the universe. So, you know, obviously that's where we get that from. Like, they're not the right. center of the universe. You know, they thought the earth was the center of the universe and every the sun revolved around the earth. It was and, Copernicus yeah. that thought it was that we were the he was the one that dispelled the notion of us being the center of the right. universe. And nobody believed at that time. And nobody had at that point there was no telescopes, no one really knew the scope of anything else, you know, out there. And so Bruno was the first person after that to be able to kind of really dig a little deeper, but he took it all from like visions. Like he actually didn't know. It, he couldn't prove it. After reading these books, didn't he have like a dream or he had a vision right. or something where he saw like the the universe and there was so much shit because first in the book he was he was speaking I I missed the part where he was talking about the the little when they were shooting the arrow yeah I don't know uh, that's a Lucretius thing about yeah it was sort of about the universe like it, are there boundaries you know it's sort of the joke like is there just a big brick wall at the end of the universe you know or that's it and that you you can't go any further. You know, like, what is the end of the universe? What does that look like? And it was sort of that theory, like, if you shot an arrow and it it hit the wall, hit the wall that was the end. But what if, you know, you could go and get beyond that and you could just keep going with that arrow? Kind of like know? the end of the internet or something? Yeah, so, exactly, right? Like, where where is the end of this so-called universe and what does that look like? You know, and I, have, I have a weird thought about that, but that, I'll save that for episode 14. I know there's only, <laughs> and I know there's only 13 episodes. Yeah, so. right. As, yeah. And there was another reason, and I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it, and this, they didn't say this on the show. He was also known as a pantheist, mm-hmm. and I'm, I, I don't know if you're we're familiar with that. It's that basically, I, God is everything, and and that's part of the reason why I think he also was burned at the stake. Well, yeah, I mean, there were several reasons besides that. You know, that was basically it was wrong. The church was scared. Right. For more reasons, like they were, you know, it was basically disproving their theories of the the holy book and you know the creation and everything else. So yeah, I mean, he everything he was doing was basically against the teachings, and they were frightened. And they're like, we can't have that, and got to get that out of the way before people start thinking crazy thoughts. Did you find it odd that they that they used the words thought police? I, I always yeah. thought I, I, it, it struck a chord to me when they said that because you know not to get. I think this is as political as the I was going to say. Yeah, get. I was going to say that you get into political things, but that is the basis of political things, you know, and power and leadership and things like that are kind of tamping down thoughts that are out of the realm of what the leader want, leadership wants you to think. So, would you say, or would we say that uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and uh, current scientists are this age's Brunos? Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I do think that's in a way because I think it, it even today with people with, with religion, not even just politics, but in religion and today's religion and everything, I think that these you know scientists and everything that are researching this and, and studying this are pushing an envelope that, that kind of brings a fear to people because when you start discovering more things, you kind of you, – you put things out there that people aren't always comfortable with. It shakes the foundations of right. what they were raised it's, with. Exactly, especially when it comes to religion, certain ideals that you thought you've grown up with and, and they're – basically trying to disprove these theories so in a way absolutely they are you know in and i guess you could also 
because today we're so we're so wrapped up in being politically correct mm-hmm. and afraid of saying those type of things. Right. And of course, oh, we forgot to mention one thing. There was that that this this gentleman that opened the show. The president of the United States. Yeah, that's that guy. Right. I know. I was like, <laughs> how do we he, miss him? I know. I was like, he looks familiar. Seen you know, him around here and there. And and I think he sees that urgency to kick off that curiosity. And 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 they've said that you know Seth MacFarlane has, has said this. Even Neil deGrasse Tyson said this to open a curiosity. He right. wants people to look. At, okay, I was walking to the studio today. Mm-hmm. Long story long, and. I literally, I wasn't, you know, of course I'm so excited to talk about the show, but I literally was just looking up at the stars. And it wasn't mm-hmm. that I was planning to, but it was just like, he's caused me, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was mm-hmm. just looking and gazing and wondering. Right. You know, and we need, in something like this, a we show do. like this can inspire the next generation of astronomers and yeah. physicists. And, and I, no, I was going to say, and I don't, again, want to get political, but I think, you know, the reason why you have the president in the intro is, again, it's very important because... I think we've we've gotten away from that. We started to focus more inward again on uh, you know our everyday stuff, and and we need more scientists and and people to to grow up and go through school and be able to help us out. Not even just in America, but around the world. I mean, but especially here in America, you know, our space program is basically non-existent now. We don't have the space shuttle program. Right. You know, we don't have that urgency anymore to go out and try to explore. I mean, obviously things are still going on and happening, but we need those people to come back and be curious about the world around them and study and. We need to be at the forefront of this again and get back out and explore space. And so, yeah, absolutely, I think there's an urgency and there should be. Do you think it'll it will spark a general interest? I do. I hope so. And you know, again, it, it and again, I hate being political, but it does come down to it's like you know, are we going to be able to get the right leadership in there in 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 future here that'll be able to give the budgets and things that we need to be able to explore space because the budgets have been cut from NASA for so many years that you know they don't have the budgets they used to have to work with to be able to to do this kind of stuff so i hope so you hit on a great point i read somewhere they were saying ndgt 2024 president of the united states <laughs> <laughs> they were throwing that already out there i mean the guy's such a rock star he is a rock star and you know and and i also think that you know we we don't have any we're not censored we can say what we want mm-hmm. what we think and i think they walked a fine line where I know there are going to be some groups that may take offense because, in a way, it did put the Catholic religion up on blast on primetime right. TV on two, you know, 20, now in 2014. Right. And they, they were, something may come out you know, on their behalf. However, I think they were just laying it out there. We're just giving you the facts. Right. You take it as you will. And that was history. It's not something that you can you know, gloss over. That was history. And, yes, there are people that are going to take offense to it. And I know there was a whole joke going around because it, it debuted on all the Fox platforms except for Fox News. So, you know, there, there's <laughs> there's jokes going around about that for some people. And, yes, there will be people from religious backgrounds that will probably have a lot of offense to some of the stuff that, again, takes people out into a fear element that takes out of the, the literal context of some of the, you know, readings from that people grew up with in their religious texts and everything that are totally countering that. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in all in all, you know, wrapping up with uh, Giordano Bruno's story mm-hmm. is, in the end, there was no hard evidence to back what he said, though. No, that's that was the fascinating thing is there wasn't. It wasn't until ten years after you know that he was killed that uh, uh, Galileo had a telescope and then the telescope and was able to at least have an idea. Even he wouldn't have been able to know up at this point the whole scope of things, but at least he was able to basically prove some of the stuff that Bruno did, in fact say was in fact true because he could have been completely wrong you're right could have been completely wrong and, and we talked about it before we went on you know before we move on to cosmic calendar and mm-hmm. 
it's interesting to see the, and I think, I don't know if they talked about it on the show. There's just so many, there were so many words. And numbers. <laughs> yeah. The, Big numbers. They passed the torch from person, you know, from Copernicus right. to Bruno, to Bruno, to Galileo, from Galileo to, I believe, was it Newton? And, and now in our generation, before, before Tyson, it was Sagan, Hawking, mm-hmm. Einstein, and it just, mm-hmm. it, the torch is going on and on. And I would love to see who Dr. Tyson will pass that torch to. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone that's, a, that's listening today. Right. That's what I was going to say. I think that would be a good thing to come back to you maybe t- towards the close. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. of that great story that he shared with Sam. So I'd love to touch on that too. So, yeah. All right. So now, Marissa, this comes the easy part. Now, this is like a laundry list of what's happened the last 13.8 billion years on mm-hmm. our universe, the cosmic calendar. And first off, how awesome is that? I think it's the, awesome. I, 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 I want that calendar now. Like, you know they've got to print that out and make that a calendar for next year. Like, come on. Like that's, a floor that's great calendar? Merch. Like yeah, a, like something about, like, just so you have the calendar there. You can put the days in there, you know, just each picture. And, I mean, come on. That's that's a great calendar there. If not, I'm making it for next year. <laughs> now, Mar- Marissa, I did not watch all of Cosmo. I watched, like, Scott, I watched some as I, as I was a kid. And did they, they used the Cosmic calendar in the first one, didn't they? I'm trying to remember because that was so long ago. Honestly, I can't remember. Well, I almost sure. I'm sure they did. I almost am sure they did too, but they I did. watched it like 26 years ago, so I'm like really fuzzy <laughs> on that. But um, the thing I'm curious too, and again, I think maybe, uh, you know, the listeners' audience can let us know too, is like how did they dev- – how were they able to compact it down to a year? I don't know how how they made that work. I think it's it was brilliant because it, yeah. it made it it's so sim- easy to understand. Right. I just don't know how they did it as far as like the accuracy, how they decided to break down that model. I'm very I'm sure curious could, about that. I'm sure the, the equation for it, I'm, you know, the 13.8 billion days. Right. Because he explained that every month was a billion years. Every yes, day was every day was 40 four, million. Right. Right. Uh, which, again, is fascinating. But I just wonder how they were able – I guess you said it would be pretty easy to get the formula of the age, put it into a year, and then break it down from there. Because uh, I just found that really cool of, of how they figured that out and put everything in. Who am I kidding, Scott? I'm just good at times tables, <laughs> and that's about it. Man. I'm not even good at that. <laughs> that's what we, we talk well, about. My calculator app. <laughs> this is what stops us from being like Tyson's assistant in yeah, physics and the math. <laughs> exactly. So now we, of course, start with January 1st. What they, they, okay, here's the thing. We have only been around, according to the cosmic calendar, Marissa. Oh, she, I think she was, were you going to chime in? Nope, no, I'm just listening. <laughs> okay, I saw you do the, like, yeah. saying we're wrong, because we're going to be wrong a lot this season. Exactly. Just so you know. No worries. But we've been around, I guess, since, by going by the cosmic clock, we, uh, was it our thought or our, just, just, just our, not human thought, but just humans, was 11.50, I got to look at the calendar. Yeah, well. It was 11.59 and, 40, and 46 well, 11.59 seconds. 40, seconds on December 31st. Those last 14 seconds are all of the recorded history yes. that we have of human history. Is only the last 14 seconds of this entire cosmic year. December 31st, 11.59, 46 seconds. And we've only been around since 11 o'clock of that night of December 31st uh, of the cosmic year. All that stuff that's happened in between. So that's why when you're freaking out about what's going on next week for the Kardashians, folks, there's a lot bigger things going on in this world. And I only reference the Kardashians twice because if you watch the Q&A after, they they just kept on talking about the Kardashians. (laughs) Uh, Seth MacFarlane was pulled out a flask and it was, it dropped F-bombs and you could see everyone like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was hilarious. I definitely recommend for y'all to watch I it. I need to watch it too. Yeah. yeah. So, and of course, we we talk about the invention of stars. The stars didn't even start till was it January tenth? 
right? Yeah, was, I think it was January 10th, January 13th. Because we start with the Big there. Bang, of course. Right, which was actually quiet, wasn't it? Like, I mean, the Big Bang, I mean, you think of a, I, I, I don't know, I always think noisy or whatever, but I guess it was, I, obviously there was nobody around to listen to it. I, again, it just kind of trips your mind, but it was actually like quiet, right? It was just, it was the fact that it came out from one atom and right. from there everything kind of grew out of that i mean that's the fascinating thing and then how everything cooled how many how many uh, millions of years was uh the darkness um <sighs> to the stars it was january 10th which is equal to 400 million years yeah there was like was it 400 million yeah of darkness after when everything started to cool after right. the big bang i mean that again too is like mind-boggling Mi- hundreds of millions of years of just pure darkness yeah for hundreds of millions of years. I get impatient after an hour. Right. Uh, I know. Uh, like the electricity goes out, you know, for five minutes. I'm I'm annoyed. <laughs> it, it, it's really, it, it, once again, they're hammering it home that just right. to ponder. And the fact that he he, uh, he kept saying that, you know, he said in the beginning that we are, we feel, I, I know that you are thinking we we should feel small. But in essence, um, I, he, he said in another quote, I don't know if it was on Star Talk, the fact that. We are made up of those atoms, the carbons, the the calcium that made that started the stars. So right, in, he said we're the star stuff. You know, the iron, the calcium. You yes. know, all that, and, and that is fascinating. And the, you know, that goes into deeper theories that some people believe in with the energy and the connection that we're all basically connected because we are, in a sense, we all come from the same type of mass and matter and the same mm-hmm. star stuff. And he also said that that great stuff too about you know how we uh, we are small. But we don't think small. And I think that's a great quote because it is so true. And and he goes on a little bit later on in the episode talking about, you know, even in the small span of four centuries going from Galileo inventing the telescope to us landing on the moon. Mm-hmm. And just that mere – and when you think of the big picture of time of how small of a time period that was. So it is a great quote saying we are small, but we, we don't think small because we don't. We went out. We wanted to explore. And within that relative short 400 years, we went from – the invention of the telescope to actually walking on the moon. So what's going to happen in the next 400 years? I know. I, know. I mean, question. that's, yeah. I mean, it is crazy when you think about it. If we don't do something stupid and kill ourselves off, <laughs> you know, like, you know, and messing with the planet. Once again, you brought up the, see, they, they, they gave little nuggets of that. They had their little um, political little jabs, I guess you could say. Their little social issues mm-hmm. stances where he, t- he talked about, it. you brought up the fact, I'm jumping all the way to December 20th, unless we want to talk about, the sun coming August thirty first, four point eight billion years Which was great too because it was it's relatively young uh, compared to the other stars. Yeah, and also again, I love the way they did the whole description there. Again, hundreds, hundreds of billions of stars, hundreds of billions. The sun is one of hundreds of billions in this in our small, you know, area of the stars here. It's oh, the just, Milky Way. Of the Milky Way. Sure. Hundreds of billions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that again is mind boggling. So it's relatively young compared to a lot of the other stars because that's the other thing too. Eventually, the sun is gonna implode as well too so i don't know what will happen first andromeda crashing into the milky way or the sun exploding oh, that's a good time yeah <laughs> which is going to happen first i don't know i'm not sure i think <laughs> i remember when i was a kid it wasn't this doesn't the sun have it's either five was it five it's like a, close to middle age right? yeah right yeah that's what i'm saying it's so, relatively young considering the other stars but i wonder which is the one that's going to happen i think first, in, the crashing of andromeda or the sun exploding andromeda is going to crash into us first or okay. you know or kim kardashian is going to right. take over the world <laughs> One of those. One yeah, of those, one of those are going to happen first. But on that social stance, they, he brought up the fact about coal to power to mm-hmm. peril. Mm-hmm. And uh, alluding to the fact of, right. of us destroying ourselves. And it was a very subtle thing that if you blinked, you missed that. Yes. But it, 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 was a, it was a very interesting kind of political statement there, if you will. But also fascinating, too, about the fact of, about those ancient 
you know, animal matter and plant matter and, and, and carbon matter that is now our coal. Because I always think about it too, is like, how is there that much of it to be able to use even today? Like, how do we still have all that? That's crazy. It's inexha- It's not inexhaustible. No, but... it's not. No, it's a non-renewable resource, but it seems like it, there's so much of it. And it, I don't get it. And I know you wanted to touch upon this about the asteroid, about the asteroid deflecting and hitting us by one inch and not knocking off the trajectory, which was the one that wiped out all the dinosaurs. Right. I know that. Again, that was the fascinating thing, too, that that it was literally what he said, an inch, mm-hmm. not even, you know, in the scale of things. It was literally an inch in the whole scale of the, the you know universe there. And the fact that it was an inch that nudged it off course just enough to where the asteroid came back around again and ended up, you know, killing off the dinosaurs and brought humans to the possibility that, you know, what if that didn't happen? Would the dinosaurs still be ruling today? Were, would humans not be as advanced, obviously? Would they even be around in any form anyways if the mm-hmm. dinosaurs are around? So it's it, it's such a fascinating thing about, again, the scope of things and how one little thing – it's sort of like the butterfly effect that, you know, you end up talking about where people think, you know, the butterfly effect, you know, changes everything and magnifies everything hundreds of thousands of miles away mm-hmm. uh, not hundreds of thousands but 20,000 miles away like you know on the other side of the earth it changes everything um causes a hurricane or whatever you know it's that kind of theory and, and once again that that talks upon uh and he is, he's not going to say it on the in this series but he's been known to say that the universe is tr- always trying to kill us <laughs> that is a direct quote of his mm-hmm. that the universe is always trying to kill us it's like the wild wild west and, mm-hmm. and we have and so, that asteroid that will supposedly is it going to miss us or is it going to hit us in 2029 2028 2029 yeah 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 29 to 36 something yeah like that. there yeah. could be one that uh gets very close and again, like, are we, again, because we're big thinkers, will we find something, if we do find that it is going to come close to us, will we be able to find a way to deflect it, too, in the same way, in time to be able to save the Earth? I will never say this word again throughout the show. I know the solution. <laughs> you know where I'm going. The Kardashians. Yeah, of okay. course. I know. I, I was I'm like, sorry. is he going to say that again, or is he going to do something? Or is he going to throw it uh, off? You, you know what? Before you move on, I found a the Cosmic Calendar. Right here, if you take a look at your screen, uh, that see? does actually look pretty cool. See? I kind of want that. Would you not want to buy that? That's what I'm saying. Like I that mean, needs to be out for next year. I awesome. want that. And he was standing. Uh, he was standing on the corner of December, the bottom right corner of, of December, and that's where he stood. Mm-hmm. And that's then cool. they zoomed him to January, and, and we forgot to talk about this when he got blasted by the Big Bang and he put on the, yeah, the cool man sunglasses. Glasses. He had the Taiwan high flyers going on. And yeah, he did. He looked like Tom Cruise, but different. No, but <laughs> you know he looked. It was he's just got this swagger about him. He does. He makes swag. it makes it cool. He does, and it's great. And that again, we need those type of people that are able to, you know, wrong wrongfully a lot of times, stereotypically, a lot of scientists aren't the best at public speaking, getting their message across, um, and that just happens uh, a lot of times. So it's great to have someone that that not only is into, is is a, you know scientist professionally, and that's what he does, but he's able to get the message across too in a really good way. Because it can be hard for scientists to be able to bring it down to the everyday person's mm-hmm. level to be able to understand what they're doing. Right. It's and, a skill set. And, and it's funny, uh, the fact that you're saying that that he has that skill and so does so did Carl Sagan. Right. And when, a quote I read about him is that he was he was very excited when someone did not know something relating to the stars and because it was a, a teaching moment mm-hmm. instead of, you know, lording superiority right. because he's smarter than all of us put right. together, exactly. except, except maybe Marissa. Yeah. Marissa would be a close second, you know, but he saw it as an opportunity to right. educate. And that is how you truly become a master of something mm-hmm. is by educating and, and passing it on too. So that now that person too will be able to not only have that knowledge, but be able to educate the next person down 
down the line. So it, it's and important. The, and the fact that Sagan, you know, and you wanted definitely wanted to touch upon this when Sagan um, called, um, sorry, uh, Tyson, uh, Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson to come to, was it, I believe it was Cornell. Yeah, and when he was in high school. And he was trying to recruit him to go to yeah. school there. And and it was just that cute, that, that beautiful little story to button up this voyage throughout the universe mm-hmm. and time. Yeah, and I also think it, it was really cool, not only the way they buttoned it up, but the way they actually had this connection there. They met, and, you know, he would already decided he wanted to go into astronomy, but the fact that he, he said that, you know, it led me to help me be the person I wanted to be after meeting him as well. So it was a personal thing, and the fact that he was so sweet, and Sagan was like, hey, if you can't get out in your Snowden, call yeah. me at home, you can come stay with us. You know, there was, he, he kind of humanized a little bit of that Sagan story, but I think it's really, really cool to say that not only they connected, but now... You know, 37 years later, 38 years later, he's now doing the rebirth of this show that Sagan – and I'm like, God, that gives me chills. Like, that is so crazy. Like, the way they had that connection way back when he was in high school and nearly 40 years later, here he is carrying on his legacy. I think is really awesome. Yeah, and as a true maverick, as as he wears the cowboy hat, Mm -hmm. he didn't go to Cornell. He went to Harvard. Yeah. You know, and and now do you know the reason why he went to Harvard? That's that's what I find fascinating. I read it, you and read I it? don't remember now off the top of my head. And when he was nine, he used to read Scientific American, mm-hmm. and he would read the the article at the end, right? And it was written by – because he decided he wanted to be an astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. And he kept reading the back of the, the magazine for, like, you know, the, the the closing story and whatnot. And he, and he would notice where, you know, where each astrophysicist went to school. And the majority by far was Harvard. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was pretty set on his ways. And so it just kind of shows he's always been kind of a he's been a maverick, a free thinker, just like Bruno, just like all these every every people, every single person that has explored beyond the universe. Yeah, I think you got to be if you're going to be a scientist, you got to kind of step out of your comfort zone. So any final thoughts before we get out of here? What Uh, do we what do you should we just move on to predictions? Because I don't know if we even got news on this. And now you're after Buzz TV. This is the silliest question ever. What's next? I know. That's why I'm like, how do you even predict a show like this? Because I felt like they gave us so much in this first episode. I honestly, until a couple weeks ago, did not even realize it was 13 episodes. I thought, how is something like this going to be that long? I thought maybe six, and it was like a miniseries. I'm like, I'm fascinated to know how are they how are they breaking it down? I don't. I honestly don't even know what would be next. I think I, all I know for sure there'll be there's they're going to talk about uh, black holes. Absolutely, yeah. See, so I'm sure they're going to spend a great, great deal of time in that and what's going to happen. I've heard that once you're in a black hole, you, you, I mean, you're done, of course, right? But you're you're stretched out where your atoms are just disintegrated and spread out like uh, little pieces. Yeah, it's a, yeah. So I, I, I get that there's there's going to be a balance. I think you know between the outer space stuff and also our history and the Earth's history. Um, I just wonder how this can be balanced. Is it going to be more like Tonight Again, too, where they're going to kind of split it up a little bit? Yeah, because... Or are they going to focus on certain areas each week? So I, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm perplexed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Right now, I, if I say a prediction, it's science fiction. And yeah. what, they, what they're talking about in this show, it is science fact. Right. Because the way I see it is we, we've gone beyond. You keep going beyond. If, there's, if it's infinite, then does that mean we have to travel within? To get to the edge of the universe, mm-hmm. because they say the only thing, the only thing that is incredibly fast is the speed of thought, and if and to get to the edge of the universe, is there a way we have to create a wormhole through thought to get to that? And end? again, the wormhole. I mean, all that is just so crazy. 
you know, so and again, it goes back to the speed of light thing and the fact that that's the fastest thing that we know of and how it ta- would take billions and billions and billions and billions of years to even get to that so-called edge of the universe, which I will want to touch on really quick uh, yeah. is the Voyager one about, you know, how that has uh, officially gone into interstellar space, going back to the Oort cloud and how that happened last year. And I think that's, you know, the furthest thing that we've ever been able to launch. It's been out there now for 37 years. Right. And uh, if you ever go to JPL out here in uh, outside of LA they actually have in their in their uh, room where they do all the uh, you know what is it called the mission control i guess mm-hmm. they still have each satellite and exactly how long they've all been in space and that one's up there now and they have it down to the second is really fascinating. Uh, I'll take you on a field trip there. But, yeah, I, it's really going. cool. Voyager, I mean, so that's the first thing that we have out there in space that's now out of our, our immediate, you know, area and is in interstellar space now. Speaking of which, I love that you said interstellar. I think this is the year of science because later on we have that Chris Nolan movie coming out, Interstellar. We mm-hmm. have Transcendence. We have Jupiter Rising. We have so much. It's. I wish we had that uh, Breaking Bad little uh, sound clip. Science! Science, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Let's get out of here. Science so. is awesome. It's been an awesome show. And Scott, where can they find you, man? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at SMAN80. That's SMAN80. And here for Archer and Chosen and Monday nights. Marissa, I think you, she's she's going to be like our stats because she's going to correct yeah. us on everything we right. got wrong. <laughs> I'll so. try my best. Um, you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at TV. Nice. And you can find me on JC Rubio TV on Instagram and Twitter. So come back because we're going to get some people in. So for Scott, Marissa, I'm JC. We're the Cosmos After Show. See ya. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.